Hi and welcome to the School Should Be podcast, a chance to hear from students, teachers and professionals to learn about all the things school should be. My name is Zahara and I am the founder of School Should Be. I've worked in schools for the past 10 years in a variety of roles from a classroom teacher to an education consultant. Schools are clouded by so many barriers, however my experience has shown me it is possible to overcome social and economic hurdles, archaic curriculum structures and be part of the unlearning process that our students and teachers need now more than ever. This podcast will explore a variety of themes, topics and viewpoints, all of which can make school a better place for students and teachers. I hope it helps you learn and smile along the way too. Please do leave a review, share and help us grow the School Should Be community. Right, let's get started. Hi everyone, today I am joined by Aaron. Hi Aaron. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? Doing good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, now Aaron, you've got a few sort of branches to what you do. So tell us a little bit about yourself. It was interesting um, when I, it's a small thing, but even when I thought about my introduction, I didn't want to just say I was a student. So to sum me up, I would say I'm a creative young guy trying to find his place in the world. Mm -hmm. um, alongside that, I run two blogs. So I share a lot about like thoughts, um, mental health, mindfulness, all those controversial issues on thoughts by Aaron at Instagram. And then I create fashion content at Outfit by Aaron. And then also I am a final year student studying business and marketing so there's a lot going on <laughs> and for a student to manage all of that your well-being is um primary really uh and I think that that's why we're here today to talk about why should or perhaps how can well-being be more central on the school curriculum because as much as you're no longer at school it was your from our conversations in the past it's it was your experience at school which sort of highlighted how necessary well-being is is that fair yeah. to say yeah yeah for sure um so tell me tell me about your school experience and why and how that really sparked or your interest in um, well-being mm -hmm. well to take you on a bit of a journey I guess to kind of how I got there so I felt like growing up, I was always in a different world to my peers in terms of my thoughts, ideas, values. And I, I, I've always been into having deep conversations and I had a lot of other interests and passions kind of outside of school. And I didn't felt like that kind of matched up to where what my peers wanted to talk about or where they were. So I always found that kind of difficult. And then um, I think the first two years of secondary school, I kind of got into the... I was hanging around a lot of people and um, it was really weird for me. And I, I wouldn't say I was popular, but I was hanging around with that crowd, I would say. Yeah. And um, I got to a phrase and I was like, maybe because I saw my sister starting to get her like close knit friends. I was like, oh my God, I want that. I don't want this anymore. So then I became a real lone wolf, I would say from like nine to year 11. And it's funny because people wouldn't maybe see it but I would spend most lunch times in the IT suite because I just didn't want to I I didn't want the lunchtime like um to just drain my energy in a way so I would just like I would just go there by myself because I knew that's kind of what I needed and then I think in sixth form is when I kind of found a small group of people that I enjoyed their company with and I just kind of kept myself to that but um I think more specifically year 13 was like the, the toughest year and it was a weird one because 
while really good things happened like so at the time my friends have where I thought like I'd, I'd really established that well and you know you're, you're turning 18 and all these fun things are happening but it was yeah one of the most challenging years for me um so actually so I became head boy which yeah. is like a thing and I kind of always wanted to do that and um, it, it kind of falls into the line of how we met because um I, I, I remember I was like I'm so tired by education and I had to, so I snuck away from a home study to kill, and then we met each other. And I remember, I, I sent you like a long email of everything I was thinking about, about education. But I, I still remember the title to the day and it was, I'm the head of an institution I can't stand. Mm-hmm. And that really hit me because I remember kind of being head boy and I was like, I want to do so much. I want to advocate and do all this stuff. But I felt an element of helplessness um, because the system is still there, right? So it was kind of hard to overcome. Um, and it, yeah, so even in year 13, I felt like my mental health got to such a place where I actually reached out to a mind coach. And so I started that uh, halfway through year 13. And so it's a, it's a great thing that kind of led me to that, but I think it also shows the impact that it had on me personally. Um, in terms of just to like maybe explain how I felt, um, I felt really burnt out. I felt really unfulfilled, super exhausted. And it's, it's, it's interesting now even doing this podcast because I remember when I was in that space and I said, I'm never going to do this to myself again. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in my final year of university. I kind of am finding myself in that similar position and it kind of feels more painful or draining in a way because it, it's, it's mirroring weirdly kind of how I felt at school. Um, so that's been um, a challenging thing to kind of come to terms with and um, I, I just, feel yeah yeah sorry, sorry. I was just gonna ask um so you say obviously like I, I did full disclosure guys by the way like Aaron was one of my ex-students um so like you know yeah. we are sort of we, he knew me as a teacher and now we know each other as friends I'd like to say yeah. um and like when you say that you were really exhausted you know like that I have to say I feel like that word especially really rings true with me even though I wasn't a student but I was a teacher in 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 the institution and I was exhausted by it um and even now even thinking about it or and I'm sure many teachers might empathize that there is this element of exhaustion can you explain what you mean by that so was it sort of was it exhaustion in terms of studying or was it exhaustion in terms of you didn't enjoy what you were studying because school effectively as as we know it is very much associated fortunately or unfortunately but with academic success like it's not necessary mm-hmm. it doesn't lend itself as much as it should perhaps to the extra stuff that we all actually enjoy um yeah so I'd love to know more about that particular because you're saying that you're you're now yet you're now again in like you know a very prestigious academic institution, um, getting the sort of pinnacle of academic success that a lot of young people and parents and teachers like want and wish for their children. Mm. And you and you just said that you feel similar. Um, it's really interesting. I actually the other the other day, and I said it's so weird that I'm doing my degree but it feels like for everyone else but me 
which I know is a privileged thing to say, but it's so weird where I feel like I've completely lost. I don't, I, I don't understand what I'm doing it for. It, I don't have that um, sense of like, oh yeah, this is for me. It really, it really feels like I'm doing it for everyone else. And I think what's so interesting about it is I really feel like this kind of exhaustion is so multifaceted. So people may see it and just be like, oh, you're studying, like that's it. But I think there's so many layers to it because I think you kind of have the social part of it, you know, when you're trying to find your friends or find your people. And it's a weird thing because at school as well, it's kind of like there isn't much room to change your network. You're giving your year group. And if you don't have your space in that or you don't find your people in that, then there's kind of nowhere else to go. So there's that. And then I would say, for me, the real biggest thing is I, I have to be passionate or feel a sense of fulfillment with what I'm doing. And I really didn't feel that with school. And it was a weird thing, because even if we take our lessons, for example, I would be so good in discussions, like, give me a topic, let's go. And I'm like, yeah, so then this represents this, and this represents that. And then you just always be like, you're so great at talking, but it doesn't translate in your essays. <laughs> it was like it's, it's a hard thing for me because I it, it's a, it's a weird thing of it always kind of even if I had moments you know of inspiration and passion which I'm sure I did it it always felt like it had to trickle down into something more structured and like fit the formula in a way and it was just so exhausting trying to continually trying to find that passion or inspiration and then kind of have it constantly dull down when it almost came back to reality in a sense and another I'm quite a deep person so I make loads of reflections mm. a lot but um another one I was writing the other day is I've been just churning out essays recently and I've been writing so many words and for me so with my um thoughts page part of that is writing so I write like poetry or all these deep posts and it comes to a point I was like I haven't written in so long I was like what is it and it's like when you're constantly churning out so many words it's almost in a way I don't have any words left for myself. I'm writing like furthermore this additionally and when it yeah. comes to finish the essay, I'm like, oh my God, if I want to use some words to express how I feel, I can't even like think of that as a thought. Like I just want to get away from it as possible. And that makes me so sad because a real way that I do like to express myself is words, but it's kind of like I don't have any more words left in me to take out and it's um it's the thing you know when they say like you should be very careful with your words and you know what you put out there you should really have it of value and kind of when I'm writing these essays I'm like I'm using my brain I'm putting out so many words but it just feels so meaningless like it doesn't feel like what I'm putting out is of value and so um kind of to bring it back to the exhaustion I think it it's also there's no stop there's no I it's a weird thing of like education is it's always on your mind and it's interesting because people will be like well my dad says to me sometimes you guys have so many holidays like you guys are so chill and I think it's interesting to when you actually look at it all the half terms are the catching up on work or you have exams right after half term so that's taken out and even if you take the summer holidays you have half of it worrying about results then you get the results and then it's the other half it's like you're processing it like what you're going to do with life after the results and it's right back into it again so it's um I yeah it's that big I think for me then the biggest thing is the not not seeing the purpose or the value aligned yeah. with how I view what I'm passionate about because I know when I've done other things and I've been passionate about I can see how much more engaged I am how much more I can do with it and it just feels so much 
like my like my vibrations or whatever you want to call it like just lift in a way and I'm energized to do it whereas you know in school I could literally just open a textbook I wouldn't even have to do anything but automatically my energies would become so drained and it was a me of like how is it that I can literally like flip a switch and I can go into doing something I'm passionate about and I'm fine but as soon as it comes to maybe doing something that like work for me and I'm saying this is just my personal experience like some people love education can hack the system and do it but just I think there's so many students out there and I think we're seeing it so much recently where it's just not working and it's just yeah draining us all out that makes complete sense Aaron like I do it, it really does it makes a lot of sense and I think in terms of what you said about purpose, I think it comes down to values because what I've noticed from, and, and again, the irony is, is that maybe it's not so ironic that a lot of the kind of coaching uh, resources or tools that, um, so what are they called? Like, you know, those behavior analysis things that you do in the mm-hmm. workplace. Um, what I've noticed is that they, I, I only started doing them when I reached work. And it wasn't even in teaching, to be fair. I don't, I don't know whether schools now have those like um, um, self-reflection sort of personality tests for teachers. It was my own personal um, journey, I guess, even for me that I went on yeah, to. I always think of that. It's crazy that, you know, there's been such a, um, a surge, you know, in well-being in the workplace and all these initiative movements, which I think is so great. But I think it's also important to be like, OK, where does this fundamentally start? And it's, you don't have that work-life balance. Like you have homework. So you do school from like eight to four and then you come back and you're meant to do more work. So it's interesting to me that while a lot of the focus is being put on work, it's also like, okay, but where do you think adults get this mindset? And it's from school. And I, I couldn't agree with you more in that absolutely well-being needs to be a focus for students absolutely it does but then again the recent sort of surge in um well-being mental health support and i actually i do think there is a big difference between well-being support and mental health support i think they are two very different things and the the level of um uh sort of the, the the spotlight on it at the moment i think is actually blurring it because mental health is a very I almost look at mental health as more of a medical um, area of expertise where there are, you know, there are individuals, students and teachers who need that a very special, not special, that's the complete wrong word, but specific type of support, which can then help them get better you know it's this idea of you can see a broken leg but you can't see depression but well-being on the other hand is something that can be integrated not just for students but for teachers as well because again like you just said well-being has only very recently like when I left teaching I left because I went into well-being consultancy and workshops and what I noticed is that there was a massive drive towards it HR policies um, diversity and inclusion workplaces becoming more equitable for men and women it all sort of in a way fell under the umbrella of well-being but it Mm. wasn't a feature in schools for even the teachers so Mm -hmm. then my argument has always been if your staff 
don't know how to take care of their own well-being, how on earth can they then support and teach and nurture the students in their care to do the same, right? It's super interesting as well because yeah, I think I think mental health as well. It's it's a very personal and individual thing that you have to come to terms with. Like there's no one said like I could do something and it's not necessarily going to work for you. Mm-hmm. So I think there is an element where that person has to, you know, do their work and figure out what works for them. But I feel like in a way, well-being kind of gives some tools to help leave lead a more kind of positive and healthier lifestyle and also kind of shift you in a way to make your mental health better so I think it's important in that sense but I just had this random thought now and I think it's interesting while you know students have PE Mm. which physical health they have that right in we had to do that right until year 12 whereas you know the only sort of I guess mental health you could say um, awareness was PCS or you know those kind of subjects and we only had that year seven and year eight so it's there's a real I think I kind of think there needs to be like a wake-up call where it's like okay if you're going to make time for the physical health for students and you think it's important then you also need to make time for their mental health too I think it's there needs to be a it's just as important not kind of one versus the other and I think you're absolutely right like PSH is what we were going to come up we are coming on to in that um Mm. this idea of a, why should well-being be a focus at school, which we sort of already touched on, but we can talk about that in a bit more detail. Um, and even its relation to academic success, but also physical education, that curriculum, th- there perhaps is space. Even Now I'm a personal trainer as well. Um, and I know that from that physical education, um, like fitness side of things, it does complement your mental health, your emotional well-being. That so perhaps maybe not in PSHE, but perhaps there is room within the physical education curriculum to integrate a sense of well-being, but more so, not 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 a worksheet, not tokenism of like a, a random extracurricular activity, but just like we normalize, I don't know, like hockey in the winter. We almost need to normalize. I don't know, do you play hockey in the winter? Yeah, we used to, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So just like that's normalized. What else needs to be normalized is the the sort of athlete mindset, the resilience, the um, ability to reflect and be humble and be grateful. Because all of that, I mean, from my experiences with fitness and health, they comp that's I'd say that's how I came to it right like if you remember back from school I got to my understanding of well-being through the gym now I'm not Mm. saying that path works for everyone but if we're looking for practical space on the curriculum maybe PE is is it that there's there's a way of rejigging redoing PE I think also with that though I think there needs to be a sense of like um, schools need to get comfortable with the uncomfortable and I think when when doing that and I think this is I think we're seeing this more widely too when you're presenting mental health when you're presenting well-being I don't think it's entirely effective when you present a very positive outlook of how it's presented you know and you don't because while mental health and well-being is all really great as well as physical health there's also a lot of challenges that come along the way there's also you know a lot of 
pain, struggle, hurt, and all of these things that kind of come with it. And so I think even when presenting well-being in schools, I think they need to be more open to, you know, if you're feeling stressed, that's okay. Sometimes not going straight to the remedies, but also kind of just being okay with where they're at. And, you know, if you do feel super upset, like not trying to, you know, like a quick fix. Like yes. there's also going to be times where you, you know have to sit with that discomfort and it hurts. Like it's, it's very difficult, but I think that's, that's a thing that, you know, maybe when adults, as they grow up, they kind of don't look at the negatives or don't try to focus on it. And I think the negatives also have a lot of lessons in there too. So while also trying to kind of move forward, I guess, I think it needs to be a, a more well-rounded thing of, you know, because of the anxiety, all these things, like I'm sure a lot of students kind of feel that and go through that. So I think that's important too. Um, and I think you're absolutely right in this, like there is this, and I wonder if that comes from over the years um, compared to when I was at school, which actually wasn't that long ago, but when I think about when I was at school um, compared to your school experience, there was this, this idea of failure isn't really allowed at school. No space for it, yeah. And, and what happens instead, which I actually, I mean, when I was at school, I used to find it hilarious, is where you'd get like um, uh, um, organizations would come in to teach you about how to deal with failure and how to fail. Like they would actually set up novelty, like, I don't know, like boot camp things to create fake failure. And I just think this idea of creating fake failure to deal with real failure in a controlled environment, that in itself is quite problematic because to me, that in itself reveals so much wrong with the system. Because like, if I think about it from a practical point of view and I think of the well-being of students from an academic standpoint, like what you're saying that you could engage in discussion after discussion after discussion and give off your, like, your best bits of analysis, right? Like in English, for example. Mm -hmm. And then when you produce an essay, it's like, oh, it's, it's this, it's that, to make it almost perfect, right? The idea of doing that was to constantly, constantly perfect your essay. Whereas actually, mm -hmm. I wonder, had there been a moment where I was like, Aaron, are you happy with this? And if you were to, if you were deep down to say, you know what, I'm happy with that. I don't need to make it any better that's okay like that is you don't need to I feel like perhaps at school now you're almost and it's very much um toxic like almost like toxic positivity as they say maybe and I think as well I think we've talked about it before in that students are so they don't have that like are really losing their sense of having their sense of self and having their own voice so I think you were you were running a workshop for year seven like a well-being and they're like yeah. what do you want to and they couldn't articulate it. They had no idea mm. what to even say. And I think that's a real big problem where like students aren't even able to articulate how they're feeling clearly to themselves or, you know, know what they want because they're like, oh, no, 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 I'm being given this formula. I need to figure it out. And it's kind of like, and that's why I feel like so many times when for me as well, and I think a lot of my friends as well, you come out of school and you're like, whoa, mm. like there's so much, more to life there's so much more I need to know about myself and I think I was lucky in that sense where I did kind of always have a bit of a boundary like I did have a life outside school which is something I really recommend um but I think it it's crazy that people can't articulate 
or be happy or proud or something but without getting that sense of validation or whatever it is and kind of I was just looking back at some of the things I had written in terms of why I think well-being should be focused on at school and learning and all this stuff is um I think there's a real need for authenticity I think that students don't maybe students like I think there comes a point you know where while you're in that stage of development where you feel like you have to um fit a certain status quo whatever it is but I think the curriculum needs to shift that and celebrate authenticity more like even if you have 20 essays like the fun part of it is that no essay is going to be the same like the students are going to come at it in their perspective and their angle and I think that authenticity feeds into kids just really want to feel a purpose of value in what they're doing and um, I think that's the biggest detachment element that we're seeing you know it's not, not even I wouldn't say like students to schools but even that gets placed on students and teachers because students view teachers as pushing that narrative forward and there comes I don't know if I question you specifically but I remember so many times where we would come out of lessons and be like I'm never going to use that in real life and um, I think it's, it's really important that we um, we ensuring that our students don't lose themselves in school. And I think that's happening a lot. And it happened to me. So I can say that I feel um, and school is a pretty overwhelming environment, you know, figuring out who you are, what you want and what you stand for. And it's really important to have a bit of um, clarity in that space and not get so sucked into the environment that you at the end of it you're like, okay wait but who am I at the end of this you know I think that's yeah a really no, big thing. that makes complete sense and I wonder like kind of going back to those workshops that I was doing with students and again just silent plug school should be is all about making the uncomfortable comfortable um like and a discovery student work. <laughs> but like going back to like what you said about um those workshops with students and even when I I remember in lessons sometimes saying to kids what do you want to learn that's a I was always really shocked by the lack of response and this idea that they don't have a clue and but then equally I want like and I'm now talking from a teacher and an adult's point of view with regards to student well-being and it mm -hmm. just sort of feeds into the rhetoric of school almost it, it, it sort of catapults you into this world where you have to know and be and do everything perfectly um, all at the same time, right? So when we're thinking of grades, everybody's got to be working towards the same glass ceiling. Everybody's got to be working to get the, get the, get those past grades in those, even, even if you have no inclination or, or interest in university, academia, there really isn't space to it's, it's a boring thing when you know when they say to live in the present but you're almost constantly living in the future mm. because it's you know even when you start a year it's to prepare yourself for the end of the year, year exams or you know what, whatever it is so it's it's disorientating and I think for so many people they find it difficult to be in the present or stay in the present moment it's because we, we don't know what that looks like and I think from a well-being standpoint, what I find really interesting is that, again, you said that students can lose themselves. I just don't think students are given the opportunity to find themselves. Yeah. Right? And that's why I think it's so important. So kind of going along what you were asking before in terms of, you know, is well-being enough to just fit into the subjects, you know, like PE, PSHE, PSH, Food Tech or Tutor Time. 
I think it's so much more than that. And just to give examples of kind of more conversations I would like to see is talking about uncomfortable emotions, anxiety, following your heart, um, making moves such changes that feel right for you that may not reflect your external environment and how to deal with hard external environments like school and um, obviously it's a challenging time of self-discovery and figuring out who you are and I think that is something that you can't fit into the formula of a subject mm. um, so I think while those skills are important that you learn you know like learning how to cook and learning how I guess how to do different sports or whatever I think it's also important within the timetable to have some non-exam time you know where a place where students can go deep and where students can just have that space of like okay I don't need to focus on anything right now because even for me when I would do something which wasn't school related I would have such a like oh my god I just and then I'll come I'll come back I guess into reality I'm like oh my god I didn't even think for school for a second and it was so refreshing and I think it's also really important because I remember you know if there was a, a random focus day or something and so many students would be like oh this is such a waste of time like I could have got an essay done in that time or whatever and I also think low-key that that's a problem because they view non-examined time as pointless and that's because then it's like okay if I'm not being tested or if I'm not doing something so valuable in this time then there's a problem and I think that is there's something there you know and you know that is one thing I think you're absolutely right because if we think of the pandemic and the year that we've all had and effectively our purpose has very much been rooted for, for if I think about my age group in the world of work right like I'm a millennial or whatever you want to call it, like late millennial I don't know what we call it um and my whole journey has been driven by school work career stability economics right it's all been driven by that now that could be a result of being a, a child of a you know second Im uh, generation immigrant family so there's lots of other like it's very multifaceted however mm. I do think the reason why uh, we I don't know whether it's as a western nation have struggled a great deal and this is kind of going beyond school but it does all start at school is because like you said we don't really know how to enjoy our time or just be and now we're in a like even for me I, I keep thinking if I'm not working if I'm not if I'm not doing something that earns me money you know that feeds and fuels my living status economically then what am I what am I doing? And, and, you know, that's where the whole, I think, the rhetoric around be kind to yourself has sort of kind of come in, which but does... Then it's, it's about your, you tie your identity to all those external things, which is another really big thing. And um, it's that whole idea, I think, of, you know, figuring out who you are. And because I what I kind of I see it as as you know when you have that space it's that space that you can go to internally where you know however crazy your external world may become you can always come back to that but again like you were saying right if I'm tying that to the external environment if of course if the external environment goes crazy then my ins my internal whatever space or environment is going to go crazy too so I it's it's I think you can see as well, it's also just an unsustainable way to live. So 
let's talk about that a little bit more because I think that kind of brings us into the it's not a question that I've got written down but Aaron I'm going to ask you um it kind of brings us into the world of social media because I think when I reflect more and you know what a privilege I have to say I read this um I read this passage from Stephen Bartlett's new book um called Happy Sexy Millionaire hilarious title but the 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 book itself is fascinating and there is a passage in there about there's lots of passages about purpose and there was one one that I read this morning um again and I've been reading it every day since I bought the book which is this idea of like how privileged are we if you're if you're if you're a child of an immigrant especially or you or, or you your family have come from adversity how privileged are we that we even have the ability to think about our purpose right like we're not thinking of survival right now we're not thinking of um putting food on the table we actually have time to sit here podcast about wellness in school like that in itself is such a big privilege so I just wanted to mention that because I think that's a really important thing for students well and teacher well-being to keep in mind that we are now in a place in the and I hope as well, I always, yeah, and I always take a moment to be grateful for that. And I I think the reason I kind of find peace with it in a sense, as opposed to maybe making me feel bad about myself, it, when I see the sacrifices that my parents made, I'm like, okay, I want to do this for a reason so that, you know, when I work, I not only am doing it to put that food on a plate, but I'm doing it because it, it means something to me and I can go out there and live a purposeful, passionate life. So then generations after that can also kind of just lead that philosophy as opposed to, you know, feeling like they have to lose themselves in order to put food on the table and stuff. Yeah, it's like you're making the most of the opportunities and mm-hmm. the sacrifices that have been made before you, which I think that then sort of ties us. I think it's a really nice way of tying you to past generations and pu- future generations. But anyway... Moving on from that bit, like talking about social media, because I think I had a greater sense of purpose, identity within myself, like thinking of like my inner pillar, which we've spoken about before. Um, mm. I had a greater sense of that when I was actually at school. Um, I the, the, the main difference between my time in education um, up until the age of, well, even at uni, to be fair, because um, we only really had a Facebook and it was very limited compared to what it is now um the main difference is social media that is like such and and we now know there are statistics there is research to suggest that social media has um in many ways um negatively had a very negative has a very negative impact on student well-being so yeah so what do, what, what do you think of that then? In terms of, if we were to sort of start talking about, okay, we know that well-being needs to be addressed more at school. It almost needs to become a part of school culture. And with that then, it, it has to be current to the culture that's out there. So there's no point putting forward um, older ideas when it doesn't relate to what students are kind of going through now. For example, you know, if if the things that you were said while you were in school are going to be said again today, mm. it doesn't even factor in social media. So it, obviously there's going to be, and I just find that about uni in terms of what we're being taught as well, there's going to be a gap there and it's there's going to be a difference in how we can actually relate the information. So how I like to look at it is I would say, you know what, we may say, and I'm not going to, I 
completely do see the negative impact. I had to do a whole essay about it. Um, negative impact social media can have and all the stuff that kind of comes with it. But I also kind of like to see is, you know, every generation goes through a massive shift. And, you know, I think we're seeing this now. And I think because it's, we're so much living it, it feels crazy. But it's, I'm sure, you know, in previous generations, there was a big thing at that time. And the previous generation probably looked at that and was like, whoa, what is that? So um, I kind of like to see is it's just the lay of the land. And I think that kind of happens with each generation, even though it's been a big thing. So um, yeah, and I, for me personally, I was always, I've always said this, like in terms of how I manage my relationship with social media for a ver from a very young age. And I always think it's so interesting because no one ever taught me that or no one told me to do it. It's just something I wanted to do for myself. So even I never added anyone from school. Um, I only added like very select people. And that was always an awkward thing, especially when I became head boy, because I remember I just got a surge of followers and I people almost felt like, oh, because you got head boy, like you have to accept us. And I didn't. Um, but I always tailored my social media in a way that works for me. So I was constantly like refreshing who I was following, you know, feed your feed and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I know that the, in saying that I've for sure had phases of, you know, where social media didn't feel as healthy and I probably acted in a certain way with trends or whatever it is. Um, so my biggest thing in that is just really, I like to see re your relationship with social media as a relationship with a friend. Mm -hmm. It requires the kind of same amount of work to figure it out, to tailor it in a way that works for you, work, learn what works for each other, because social media kind of does that in a way. So just make it work for you. Don't let it tailor you to think a certain way. And um, I think, of course, like it, it has a big impact, but don't don't let that sway you into thinking you have to buy into it so even me right I only have I don't use really Facebook at that much anymore I never got Twitter because I just first of all I didn't really understand it but it just never felt like something I would want to do and even now I don't have TikTok so like my maybe send me stuff here or there but it just for me that kind of thing so I just found that even with platforms I found the platforms that I kind of engage with more and I like the vibe with and then I I went to that so um I think for sure it has a, a real it can have a real negative impact I would just say forget what everyone else is doing and just really kind of try and nurture that relationship with social media to make it work for you I don't know if that answered the I think uh, no no I think it is interesting because I'd say well one you've got a very you you've clearly done a lot of and you always have I guess like you said it's always been in your character to do a lot of um self-reflection like you've encouraged yourself to do that even in times of adversity you went and got a mind coach which in itself like if we're going to be completely honest that is a privilege right because there will be so many students out there who don't have the ability the resources to do that so absolutely it's great that you know you had that at your disposal to, to do. With regards to like kind of going back to what you've been saying about social media, if we were to take lessons out of that for students, I would say one, really you, you've worked very hard on yourself and resisting those um, external pressures, which again is really interesting because like you said, you would encourage students to have a social life outside of school that isn't like an actual life. So a life that isn't academically related, which is very similar, I guess, to how I used to view work, especially when I was teaching that my life as a teacher was very different to my life as Zahara. And I mm. think, however, 
like you, you, you are the student that said to me that I was fine and comfortable being vulnerable in the classroom, right? Like I was very transparent or as transparent as I could be. Um, and then outside of school, I was equally transparent, right? Anybody wants to have a conversation, I'm more than happy to have a conversation with them. Um, that in itself is a skill and a character trait. But the other thing you said, which I think is so important is this idea of platforms, because we all know social media is very time consuming. We also know, um, not necessarily for students, but we know that for um, adults, it's also a way of, uh, it's a source of income because you know, you've got people who build their businesses on social media or you know, mm. you're a, a very akin with, you know, you know a lot about marketing. So you know that social media is, a, is it can be a major marketing funnel. But like you said, one way that students can support their own well-being is by filtering and deciding, okay, which plat, if you want to use it, you can absolutely use it, but treat it like you would your best friend. So which platform can you, can you spend the most time with? Like for you, it's not Twitter, it's not TikTok, it's not Facebook, but it's Instagram. For somebody else, it might be none of those, but Twitter. And I think it's really important to, and even as adults, like I fall into the trap of trying to give equal attention to all of them. And it is it, the fog it creates in your head and, you know, comparison syndrome, um, the politics around likes and comments and who's saying what and all oh, they're doing what I want to do. Does that mean I shouldn't do it? Imposter syndrome social media has sort of created that next level of echo, like an echo chamber. Yeah. Which... And the thing is just paying attention to how you feel when you're using it. So as soon as something doesn't feel right, that's an indication something needs to change. Whether that be um, the social media itself, or in some ways you tailor it, or in terms of maybe how you're looking at it, and maybe you need to take a break to reevaluate that. But in terms of how I do it, I'm con I, I will, whenever I notice, oh, that didn't make me feel good, then I'm like, okay, what was it? Like, what happened there? So, mm. so self-reflection, you would say, is like a key skill for students to work on. And I know we're talking a lot about school, but perhaps parents have a major role to play in this too like it's not as it's not as simple as like you know I remember even when I was younger you know I was told don't cry over spilt milk don't worry about that like it was my at times rightly or wrongly but my emotional health was brushed to the side because from an adult's perspective they're looking back in hindsight right that what you're experiencing as a student is no way in comparison and that always really annoyed me because I think that when whatever I don't I don't know personally I don't care if you're like 60 years old I don't care if you're two years old when whatever you're going through at that point is such a big thing and it's such a part of your life and your development so I personally I don't think it's fair to ever undermine anyone for what they're going through I think that's just the biggest lesson empathy to be able to really put yourself in that person's shoes because for sure, you know, when you're a student, you have to don't, you don't have to necessarily deal with the responsibilities of an adult, but you're also in the biggest stage of development and self-discovery. So that's, that's a big thing in itself. And so don't undermine that. And I think obviously sometimes maybe perspective can help, like for sure, but don't, I think that's a big thing of like, don't undermine the problems you're going through. Be like, this is really challenging right now and it's okay. I think that's just a, a more healthy way to like look at it going forward like don't just push it to the side like actually be able to like look at it face on 
Yeah, and I think even I was guilty of it as a teacher where I was in my head, I was trying to sometimes help students by saying to them, honestly, this is not the be all and end all. Do not let it stress you out. Like it's just not. You used to say that as well. I couldn't, I couldn't understand it Mm. for so long. I was like, what? And she's (laughs) too. Like for me as well, it felt like in a way, um, it was funny because especially when I was head boy, and I did like so many talks. I met so many parents, so many kids. And um, I remember it used to make me really sad because I always thought, oh my God, it's, it already gets better, right? For generations, like the, the parents are going to be more understanding. The parents are going to be more open. And when I was head boy, I realized that that very much wasn't the case. Um, like all those things that kind of were being pushed onto me when I was younger are being pushed onto the same kids at that age. Um I can't, I've lost my trip. What no, 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 like, no, but we were saying about how, um, like, this, like, you didn't understand when I would say, like, guys, it's not all the be all and end all. When we used to do a, a lot of the school talks where we want you to walk out of here being more than just a, I don't know, there was a, a line that they always used to say, like a, not an academic set of certificates or academic certificate of grades or whatever, but then you look at the day-to-day activities and it doesn't reflect that. Mm. So, if it's such a it's such a weird thing do you know when you say to me like or your if a parent says to you Aaron you should read more you shouldn't watch tv but then all they watch is tv question that and be like okay well clearly tv has more benefits here because you don't even believe in it yourself so it's it's a hard thing of when even even if you're being fed the narratives but then your reality doesn't reflect it I think it's a real conflict for a student to try and figure that out I I think that's even a lesson in parenting Aaron because you're absolutely right like I you know whilst you're talking I'm just remembering you know (laughs) I had quite a nice well well I wouldn't say well I had a good upbringing in many ways but equally there were times where I'd be like hang on a second why are you telling me not to eat that when you've just had five like what is that about (laughs) literally and the same applies to school yeah so it's just really interesting like when we start thinking of parenting in comparison to teaching and then the role they both play in the well-being of children um because I I I always say uh, that school is the second home after home and for some students in certain situations school is the best version of home that they have so we are absolutely as you know I still call myself a teacher but putting myself in that profession it's just so important to think okay how can we as teachers ensure that student well-being is almost more important than academic achievement because in my mind it is in fact in my mind without supporting or caring or nurturing a student's well-being in whatever way that they need in whatever way that they need whether that be they need more emotional support whether that be they need more challenge right like well-being works very differently for for any child but how in your from your experience of school and especially your experience as head boy how would you say that the teaching body can further support the well-being of students? I think first and foremost is actually listen to their students and find ways to really build that relationship and understand them and their needs. Because I think it's crazy how much that lacks 
And that's essentially a foundation of a school, the school's understanding of its students. But it would be crazy because even when I used to do school council and stuff, it was crazy to me. The teachers had no idea what students were thinking and feeling. And I think that's the crux of it. First of all, is the school actually really understanding its students um, and trying to like build that relationship, like I said. And then um, I think have, a, have set time in the timetable for these key lessons. So like mental health, finding your passion, life outside of school, which I guess is ironic, but having that as like an actual part of a timetable, not just a blase thing that you do whenever you see fit. And, um, and I think within that, not homework, but giving students tools that then they can maybe practice themselves. So exactly what you said, right, with well-being, it's such an individual thing. So even if you just, I don't know, journaling prompts or, you know, small exercises that students can do, and obviously you don't have it set, but just providing those different things out there, I think it would just be a really great space for students then, oh, you know, I'm not feeling good. Let me just try and practice this thing. Maybe it could help. Um, so I think that could be really um, a good way of going about it. I think being um, also very wary of the messages that are being sent, especially, I kind of said it before, but when things get set at open evenings or whatever, actually making sure that that's being filtered into the day-to-day -day activity. Because I remember there were certain teachers that said very much the opposite of that. And they were very, like I remember I had one teacher in sixth form and every lesson we would come in, she would say, you know, this isn't going to be easy, right? Like the next two years are going to be some of the hardest years of your life. And I like that kind of um, mindset framed the lessons. And it was always a, uh, like when you would went in. So I think, yeah, just really making sure if you, if you do want, you know, diverse students, you want students to embrace their passions, it needs to be fed into the day-to-day -day as well. Um, and, being privy to that, I guess. And then um, really appreciating the value of the student voice. I think when, um, when an issue arises, as opposed to, no, 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 you're a student, I'm the teacher, actually being, or whoever it is, being open to actually hear them first. And I think in a way, as a teacher, be open to be, um, to learn from the students as well and be challenged. I don't, obviously sometimes it's obviously like a negative thing, but I think sometimes it, it can be really positive because I remember with um, when we were in your lessons and we I would be like, oh no, I don't think that I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge it. And I think it's a very important quality to have and it really helped me establish my own voice. Um, but just, I think teachers need to be kind of more, open to that and like the, the value is in the student voice and just because they're a student doesn't mean what they have to say is of any less value and then I guess final thing would be um if they could try and bring in more initiatives so um bring in other real elements in the timetable so even if it is going to be a focus day that um is a break away from education for a second actually make that time super value and actually help students like learn to appreciate and value that just as much um, I guess that's the other stuff because like we were saying before then they can really revel in time away um, totally yeah absolutely agree and and I just want to come back to oh god I hope it wasn't me that was that teacher that said every lesson you know a oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no but equally I'm just trying to think because I, I remember there were times where I might have said things <laughs> along the same lines and again, I guess it comes down to what you're saying is communication, really, and listening to the voice of both, right? So this idea of sometimes, and, and I used to have to always check myself as well. And, you know, I'll be really honest about that in that 
sometimes I overestimated what my students could do, right? Like I'd be like, it's a professional environment. They're in year 11 or, you know, they're even, I was like, sometimes, you know, they're in year 10 or even little year sevens, bless their cotton socks. Like <laughs> they were always told, you're now in secondary school. You've got to grow up. Like, no, they don't. They are 11 year olds who want to have fun you know, and like, I get it. I had the best time with some of my little year sevens. Like they were absolutely hilarious. And I think you've got to harness that. You've got to harness there. I, I remember as well. I remember when, I can't remember who we had or like prefect or whatever, but I've always been the kind of sense where I get very um, stressed about work. So if a, if a deadline comes up, even when I was really young, I would always like, it would kind of take up my headspace. And um, I remember the prefects being, oh, like, enjoy this time. Like, these are the years to enjoy. And I remember them saying that, but I've, I, I was never able to do that. And I think that's something I kind of still struggle with. And I, I, I think that's also comes in, you know, like the competitiveness of the, the school environment. But again, yeah, it's just that idea of being able to. And again, you can't, we can't solve. Like, of course, there will be schools can, there are certain schools who are doing amazing things. And we all hope that every student has something positive or more than something, you know, positive to take away from school. Um, However, we almost, what we need to create in terms of school culture is this idea that it is possible in some way, shape or form for a student to find confidence in their own individuality. So that's encouraged, not something to be wary of or almost put down. And again, I said like we, I gave some tips or I guess things I could think of that schools could implement, but to my students out there, I would say again, I've said it so many times, but have a life outside school. Um, and small things that I've done recently and through my journey, which I don't know if it would help you, is have a morning and evening routine, even if it's the smallest thing, but that's something where you start your day and you end your day and it's just you. I think it's such an important way of, you know, you're getting to school. It's like, it's always that mind game, you're running late, but just even whatever it is, like a small thing that you can do that you do to kind of ground yourself at the beginning of the end of the day, I think is super important. Find um, self-expression activities. Um, techniques that feel good for you so whether that be you know listening to music journaling dance exercise uh talking to a friend or whatever it is but finding different ways that you can express yourself that feel really good for you in that way create uh, this is another i think we could do a whole different podcast on like and finding a strong social circle but keep it close i mean you really do not need a lot of people like even if that kind of works for you but have those kind of one of people that you can go to that are really strong and you know are going to be there for you and align with kind of who you want to be and you feel yourself in their company also reach out for help you know follow us um there's amazing platforms out there that can help ask your parents to find help and I believe so again like you said I was very privileged and it's one of um, my greatest blessings is my mind coach but I also felt like when you want to find help and when you want to be better the right opportunity will come so for me that came in the form of a mind coach which is awesome but I also feel like if if you're maybe in not as privileged your position I also feel like if you just set that intention of oh my god want help something along the lines will come your way to really help you in that 
And finally, I would say, be cool with your own company. I think in school, you can get so lost with there's so many other people and you constantly have to, even I remember the weirdest thing, you couldn't sit alone at lunch. Like it's, it's, I used to sometimes sit alone at lunch because I don't know, like I like to enjoy my food. I just want to take it, whatever it was, but that was such a weird thing. And so many people come like, are you okay? Or like friends would be like, don't do that. It's a bit weird. And it's like, why? Like, I, so you, there, there's going to be so many points in your life. I feel like where you're going to need to be alone. And it's not only being okay with that, but feeling good in your own company, even at school. And um, just use it, use the time, like figure and experiment your passions, what gives you meaning and fulfillment and make time to nurture that. So even though I have my blogs now, I started them when I was 14. I was doing them in school and I was, you know, some people be like, what is he doing? All this kind of stuff. And honestly, I didn't care because I was nurturing that and that energy felt good to me. And it's great because it's been a testament to all the things I'm doing now and it's helped me so much. So if you, like the work doesn't like, that kind of thing of finding your passion right like I don't think it has to be something where you have to wait until school is over to do it if you can make some time and make it as much of a priority as it is to get your homework done I think that's also important you know I need to dedicate this amount of dance time or whatever it is as much as I'm going to do to this essay and that's kind of yeah those things that I could guess to say to that is so interesting because I think like um, I did a, uh, I collaborated with um, Sophie Morris, who's an introvert specialist. And the, 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 yeah, but, no, but the commonalities between what you both said in this, this idea of, you know, let's normalize like alone time. Right. Let's. When I, even in sixth form, in my um and lunch times like luckily I had a car in sixth form I used to just go sit in my car mm -hmm. and just like I needed to take a breath from school or you know I would take a nap because I usually was really tired but whatever it is like, yeah I think it's so important to find find yourself in your own company because again as much as I think you have relationships with anyone else you're also in a relationship with yourself so anything that you would do to nurture any other relationship you need to do that with yourself and it's so and important because you have to you know when you're figuring out a person I think it's easier because you can see them you can all of that but again you can't exactly look in the mirror in the inside so it's kind of in a way it's a lot harder but it's also the best and the most the thing you need to like go forward in life I completely agree and I think it's again it's it, it's so important if I was kind of like I'm going to sort of answer a part of the last question um mm -hmm. just based on what you've said in that you we have reiterated so many times at how privileged our positions are with mm -hmm. regards to and I know privilege is almost a word that's doing the rounds now so I don't want to overuse it but equally I want to make it very clear that the fact that we're having this conversation the fact that you were able to invest in a mind coach research your own well-being um have a car to have like have an environment that you could escape to is ultimately something that is an amazing privilege to have and if school if school culture in my mind you know if, if i i keep thinking if i was back in like a leadership or management position school needs to be a wholly inclusive an equitable space. So how can we enable that for student well-being? And if part of it is to create spaces where students can just have a minute away from the craziness of school life, um, from it feeling almost quite imprisoning, 
then so be it like we need to create that and perhaps that's something you know to take up with funding policy all those sorts of things mm, for sure so now just to end on three questions based on your school experience what what did you enjoy <laughs> which is going to be interesting based on everything you said um what did you enjoy what would you challenge and what would you add to make school culture a great place for students and teachers um i enjoyed the great people i met along the way who inspired me made me feel positives and negatives because um, i learned lessons from both and really made me want to be my authentic self and harness my greatness um, i would say one thing i would challenge would be what are students really learning um, when you ask adults now um, you know did they learn anything from specific lessons or things they don't really say oh yeah i remember that theorem or i remember that concept so it, they usually say you know whether it's the skills of you know um time management organization or all these things so maybe that needs to be more of an importance and shape the curriculum as opposed to you know all the other stuff that does um and I guess, I guess my addition, but I think before that, a big thing for me is that we've talked about it a lot, is that school right now is a one size fits all kind of model. And I just think it's unsustainable. I think school needs to be able to be shaped to the individual, not the other way around. And so I guess my addition would be to really bring some perspective, light, passion and creativity into the school world and not make it so much of a bubble. Um, and whether that be, you know, through the talks, the student-led initiatives, maybe um, membership schemes, time timetable, time out, the oxymoron in a way, but just, yeah, bringing that, bringing that sense of, I look at it as light, but just bringing that sense of um, space and freedom, I guess, into the school environment, because I think ultimately making school a space to find yourself through that journey, as opposed to keep losing yourself. Yeah, and that, that is such a good point to end on, is effectively make the school a more flexible place to create breathing space. <laughs> Thank you so much, Aaron, for your time. It's been such a lovely conversation, and um, I really hope we have helped schools, teachers, and students especially to understand that absolutely their well-being is first and foremost, and academic success in whatever way it when, however it looks will always follow for sure i think the well-being will just affect everything that it kind of it affects everything you know so um no i'm glad it was a good conversation and good luck to everyone out there <laughs> <laughs> thank you and we'll speak to you soon yeah speak soon bye bye Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please do leave us a review and share it with your friends and family so they can also learn all about what school should be. Until next time, speak to you soon.